Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The two texts today are the Old Testament reading and the Holy Gospel. Please be seated. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, of course, it's Trinity Sunday. What joy! Who God is and what He does or gives. And I say gives on purpose because God is a giver, a gracious giver. He gives freely only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness on our part. God exists only for you and for your salvation. And when he speaks, he gives, and when he gives, he speaks. It's all for you, gift. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the triune God, of course, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is three persons in one divine being, one divine being in three persons. Now, did you notice in the beginning, the Holy Spirit is there at work, hovering like a mother hen over the face of the deep. Jesus is there as well. How do I know that? Well, he is the word that the Father speaks. You remember the Apostle John in his Gospel, John chapter 1, he tells us that the word that the Father speaks is the eternal, only begotten Son of the Father. And so, the entire work of creation is from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Now, did you notice, <coughs> each of the six days shows, then, the creative work of the Trinity. Each of the six days reflect the love of the Father, the wisdom of the Son, and the life of the Holy Spirit. And I repeat, it's all gift from the triune God to and for you. All that the Trinity creates in the first six days is meant to provide you with all that you need to support this body and life. Again, I repeat so that you don't miss it. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 show you what God gives for you in creation. Let me put it to you this way. God bullishly insists on being related to you as a giver of gifts, even giving himself to you in, with, and under creaturely gifts. Living by faith is all about being a creature, then, that is given to by God, who always loves to give gifts to his creatures through creaturely means. Not only in Genesis 1 and 2, but also with salvation. More on that in a moment. But notice, let me review with you the six days of creation. Notice the creaturely gifts. Day 1, Sunday. Light. Let there be light. His giving is in his speaking. And there was light, and God saw that it was good. Day two, Monday, the expanse of the sky. <laughs> this is remarkable. For those of you who teach science, or anything related to science in school, those of you who study this, the atmosphere is, of the Earth is absolutely remarkable. It's unlike anything else in the universe. Oxygen, water, clouds, rain, and it's clear, and yet it is also protective. <sighs> and God saw that it was good. Day three, Tuesday, the sea and the dry land, plants and trees in all their diversity. 
and God saw that it was good. Day four, Wednesday, sun, moon, and stars. <laughs> and again, those of you who teach science and all this stuff, it's all the right size. It's all the right distance from each other. You know, if the sun was any closer to the earth, what would happen to the earth? What have you all been taught? Why, we'd burn up. They're all in correct relationship with one another. And God saw that it was, it was good. Day five, Thursday, fishes and birds of every variety. And those of you who watch the Discovery Channel and National Geographic and all that jazz on TV, you see now <coughs> all that God created with all the incredible shapes, the sizes and colors of the fishes and birds with all their amazing mating and nesting rituals. The barn swallows always trying to build a nest at our parsonage. We always have to scatter them away. And God saw that it was all good. Day six, Friday, the animals, from domestic to wild, from creepy to crawly, from ape to aardvark, from ant to Afghan hound. And on day six, man, made in God's image. Let us make man in our image. Now, notice this, brothers and sisters, as God is Lord over all, in order to be servant of all, so also is man, his creation. Have dominion, God says to man. In other words, man reflects God's image by exercising lordship, and at the same time, man exercise, or reflects God's image by stewarding the creation. In Genesis 2.15, God puts Adam in the garden to do what? To take care of it. As the persons of the Holy Trinity relate to one another in a communal relationship, so also man. Male and female, he created them. To be married, that's the end of Genesis 2, and have a family, children, be fruitful and multiply. And God saw everything that he made and at the end of day six, what does he say? It was very good. Day seven, Saturday, rest. Sabbath, rest. God finished his work that he had done and he rested from all the work that he had done. Now this is interesting. Did you notice that unlike all the first six days of creation, Day seven does not have what? It doesn't have an evening. And it doesn't have a morning. It's an eternal day. An endless day. God does bless the seventh day and he makes it holy. Holy in the sense of being consecrated and set apart for holy use. What holy use? To offer God the highest worship spelled F. A-I-T-H. Faith in God's promise to be God for you, even in the creaturely gifts that he has created in the first six days. Sabbath day rest in the Bible is spelled how? F-A-I-T-H. Namely, living as a creature 
to whom God gives gifts and who gives himself in the gifts as his instruments. If you know Psalm 19, now you understand what Psalm 19 says at the beginning. Let me quote it to you. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night knowledge. <coughs> now you know sadly and tragically and hellaciously Adam and Eve were not content to be creatures, to live by faith in God, in his word, and in his gifts to them. They ambitiously desired to be what? <coughs> Little divinities. With the help of Satan's lies, they no, they no longer trusted for God to be God for them. They would be God for themselves. To justify themselves with their own words, their own deeds. What God called evil, they called good. What God called good, they called evil. Imagine that. These two creatures really believed that they could replace the good and gracious giver God with themselves. Two creatures who would worship themselves. And it was disastrous and catastrophic. And we have inherited this spiritual disease from them. And we feel and we experience these horrific, horrific effects of original sin in our lives <coughs> and in the world around us. Destruction, devastation, decay, death, brokenness, hurt, diseases, suffering, anarchy in the streets, killing, idolatry. It's a fallen creation, fallen creatures. Now because the Father loves what he has created, he redeems it. How does he do it? It's by sending his Son his eternally only begotten Son, into our flesh. Jesus embraces the world in order to redeem it. To Good Friday shed his divine, all-atoning blood from the sacrificial cross. And when Jesus accomplished his work, what did he say? Just like God in the beginning. It is finished. And then he takes his rest in his tomb for three days. He rescues from decay, destruction, and death all that he has made, and through his glorious bodily resurrection from the grave, Jesus has redeemed his fallen creation. Now this is really important. Listen very carefully here. Because in the New Testament, Jesus warns us from false Christs and false messiahs and from false salvations. We are awash in false Christs, preaching false salvations. Here's what I mean. All you have to do is listen to the pundits on TV and the radio or read things, and we are told 24-7, 365, that we must do what? That we must save the world. Otherwise, as some have said, it will all end in 10 years. Now I have to keep this sermon G-rated, so don't fall for this, you fill in the blank. 
That is a satanic lie. We did not create the world. We cannot save the world. Why? Because we're not divinities. We are God's creatures. And as God's creatures, we have limits. And the limits are these. We are given to take care of the world and the resources that come from the world and not abuse them. But we cannot save the world. If you believe that, get over it. Seriously, get over it. It will destroy you if you think you can do that. Simply rejoice being a creature who has given to steward the creation and take care of it for a time being. Well, who has saved the world? His name is spelled J-E-S-U-S. By his Good Friday dying, by his rising on Easter Sunday. And in addition, now listen carefully, in addition, Jesus gives, through creaturely means, hooked to his word, a new creation. For example, as we heard in the gospel reading this morning, Jesus hooks his divine word with water. You baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus says in John 3, is how you are born again by water and of the Spirit. It is how Paul says in Titus 3 that God saved us by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in addition, pours out his Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, over the face of this fallen world through the preaching of the gospel. Remember last Sunday, Pentecost, and what happened? In the preaching of the gospel and in baptism at the end of Acts 2, people from all over the world heard the gospel preached in their various languages and dialects, and they were brought from death and darkness, unbelief, into the light, faith in Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Now I'll be even more audacious from the scriptures. Listen carefully. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that you are new creations in Christ. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the new is spelled how? F-A-I-T-A. Now let me push this all a bit further for your edification today. Who is it that has been given all authority in heaven and on earth? It's not me, it's not you, it's who? Well, from the gospel today, we know it's the Lord Jesus Christ who received all authority from his Father to be exercised on this earth in baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching everything that he has commanded. Disciples are made in those two ways. But now let's focus on the first. When someone is baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God gives his divine, holy, and saving name. When you are baptized in the name of Jesus, you are given all the benefits that Jesus won for you on the cross. And when you are baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit bestows upon you the very holiness of God himself, in particular, Christ's holiness for you to wear as a garment every day of your life. Paul says this in Galatians 3, as many as you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. 
So I repeat to make sure you understand it and believe it. One of the ways that God holies you is in baptism, in which the Holy Spirit gives you Christ and all his holiness to wear before God the Father. Brothers and sisters, if you've been picking up what I've been throwing down today, you are now beginning to realize that hidden in this fallen world is a new creation that has already come in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. A new first day, a new first day of light and life has exploded from the darkness of sin, death, and the grave with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in the preaching of the gospel, baptism, and yes, even in the Lord's Supper. How could I even add the Lord's Supper to that? I'll tell you why. Because in the Lord's Supper you hear Christ's words. You take this. You eat it. You drink this. Body, blood. Jesus says that my words in John 6 are spirit. That's capital S, spirit. Holy Spirit and life. So every time you hear the words of Christ, the Holy Spirit is at work yeah, going on, creating life. And so a new creation has dawned. There is a new humanity on the earth. It's the church. A bunch of hangers-on to Jesus created by the Spirit-filled word of the gospel, even as the old is passing away, even as many species to our sadness are being extinguished every year. Even as the very life of this earth is threatened with constant change, decay, and much abuse. Hidden in, with, and under our lives that are moving to the cemetery is the life of Christ. Which means that even though we die, yet we shall live because Jesus is the resurrection and the life for those who believe in him. Yes, a new creation has dawned on this earth in Jesus, and in particular in his bodily resurrection from the grave, and the giving of the Lord, the giver of life, the Holy Spirit, in the preaching of the gospel. Final point. This is precisely one of the biggest reasons why Christians come to church on Sunday, because Sunday celebrates the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, which means that Sunday is the new creation day. Sunday is the first day of an eternity in Christ of which we are given through our being baptized into God's divine and saving name. Listen, Paul says this in Colossians. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And as God's died for in Christ creatures, we live by faith. Faith in the triune God who created us, redeemed us, and sanctified us. What joy. Oh, what joy. Have a happy Trinity Sunday. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We uh, say together the uh, Athanasian Creed. That's the green sheet. Please stand. Before we say it, Please note at the end, I want to give you a note of explanation. In the end, it talks about all those who've done good will enter into eternal life, and those who've done evil into eternal fire. That's not preaching salvation by works. It is preaching what the Bible teaches, namely, that believers do good works. And so the good works are judged not on their own, but because they are done by faith. Read Matthew 25 sometime, and you'll know what I'm talking about.